0: For those of you who are guests with us today, it's great that you're here. Uh, My name is Alan. I'm the executive pastor here at RCC. Uh, Antley is out of town on vacation. Uh, He's actually finishing up a week-long biking trip, motorbiking trip, in Colorado with some uh, other dudes. And uh, you can be praying for him because before he went on his trip, he found out that uh, one of his shoulders, he's going to have to have surgery on it in August. It was just kind of holding together with, you know, kind of string-like sinews, and so uh, we were anticipating getting a call that, you know, a Medivac helicopter was going to have to go in and rescue him and uh, save him just because the actual arm is the one that does the clutches that he can barely uh, use it. But you know Antley, he loves biking, he's been having a great week, and he'll be back in town uh, in the next uh, day or two, so I have the privilege of leading us in our teaching this morning We're going to take a little bit of a a pause from our series that we've been going through in the book of Acts, and the pause will be And it kind of ties in with our series because our series is titled, you know, Walk This Way, and we've been using the book of Acts to discover and to discern what it means to walk like Jesus, to what it means to walk like uh, followers of Christ. And so it definitely ties into that, but we're going to be not going through uh, the next section of the book of Acts that we were meant to. uh, For today, that'll be next week. But in keeping with the season that we find ourselves in, particularly this week, uh, for those of you who are Canadians, uh, yesterday, June 1st, or pardon me, I keep on saying June 1st, I'm not too sure why, July 1st, uh, Dominion Day, being a Canadian, uh, so happy Canada Day to all of you uh, Canadians. Is Sean Smith here? I know that uh, he's an American citizen, but he was born in Canada. I think he spent like three minutes in Canada. So uh, happy Canada Day to uh, Sean Smith. He's probably out there working with the children's uh, Team out there helping them out. And then uh, this coming July the 4th, it's going to be uh, Independence Day here in the United States of America. We're going to be celebrating that. And uh, a lot of these celebrations, whether it's Dominion Day up in Canada or July the 4th, Independence Day here in the U.S., it's all about our freedom as citizens. It's all about walking in freedom and experiencing those freedoms. And particularly here in the United States, it's the land of the free, the home of the brave, or the land of the free because of the brave. And we have a lot of freedoms that that are part of our constitutional rights as citizens here in the United States. Uh, We have the freedom of speech. Uh, We have the freedom of press. We have the freedom of worship. You know, we have the freedom, uh, the right to bear arms. And so many other freedoms that we have as a nation and to walk in them. But today, what I'd like to do, kind of in keeping with that season that we find ourselves in, being reminded of the freedoms that we have as citizens in this country, to, to look at the freedoms that we have in Christ. And what does it mean to walk in freedom? What does it mean to experience the freedom that Christ has for us? And so that's what I'd like to do. But before we do that, uh, let's pray and continue to invite the Spirit to have His way and His leadership in our time together. Father, we just want to thank you for the great worship that we've experienced. Uh, We thank you for uh, uh, the testimonies and how you're bringing life change and transformation and providing in the lives of so many people here at RCC, Uh, even just from the few stories we've heard and so many unheard stories uh, that are at play because of your work in their lives. And Father, we pray that as we come to your word that your spirit would truly have his way, uh, that you would awaken us to your truth, that you would awaken us to your love, that you would awaken us to all that you have for us in this time. Uh, Lead us, we pray. uh, Teach us, we pray, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Typically, my style is to kind of move around a lot, Uh, and I know with a small stage, you really can't do that, but I'm all of a sudden starting to realize that uh, our air conditioning system isn't working as well. A few weeks ago, I got off stage, and literally this whole shirt was just soaked, so I'm going to just kind of be a little calmer here, and uh, not to try to uh, generate too much uh, internal heat uh, uh, here, so it was funny, my my wife and Antley were looking at me and they saw this spot on my back just get larger and larger and larger and larger uh, throughout the entire message. And for those of you on the front side, probably saw a spot getting larger and larger and larger and larger as well. So we'll try to minimize that uh, today. So so what is freedom? Uh, I mean, we talk about freedom in different contexts. We can talk about it as we did in the introduction about uh, uh, nationally, uh, as as citizens, we can talk about it uh, philosophically, you know, we can talk about how do we really experience free will, do we really have free will, and you can get lost in some heady conversations, whether you're a determinist or a non-determinist or an indeterminist and so forth. It can get really crazy. And even conversations about freedom in our nation, there's even debate about how that is walked out and how that is lived out as a nation. But what does it mean to walk in the spiritual freedom that Christ has provided for us, which I believe is the ultimate freedom. Let me share with you just a few verses to kind of set the stage. John eight thirty two. Jesus is saying, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I think of uh Second Corinthians three, seventeen, where Paul says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then Paul, again, in Galatians chapter 5, one of his Magna Carta statements says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So here we have a passage where Paul is saying that Jesus has set us free for freedom. And I like to park here because to understand what freedom is, To understand what walking in freedom is, to understand the experience of freedom, we have to understand the difference between being free and walking in freedom. Everyone who is a follower of Christ, who surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, has allowed him to be Lord, leader, uh, Savior in their life, is free. But not everyone who is free in Christ is walking in the freedom of Christ. There's a real difference between the two. Now, let me play an analogy out here that may help us uh, understand the difference between being free and walking in freedom. I don't know how to play the piano. I, I really don't. I could probably, you know, twinkle, 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 little star, or whatever it is, but that's about it. Now, I could go to that keyboard, I am free, To play that keyboard. There's nothing right now restraining me or holding me back from going to that keyboard and playing it. I could just bang the keys, you know, and just make a lot of noise. I probably won't be making music. Now, someone who knows how to play the piano is free, just like I'm free, to go to that piano and play. Now, that person who knows how to play the piano can play music. Now, for me, as a person who does not know how to play the piano, I'm free to go there, but I do not experience and walk in the freedom of playing the piano. If someone were to put Canon in D minor, sheet music, I wouldn't have a clue what it's saying and how I transpose that from paper to beautiful music. I just couldn't. I am free to go to the piano and play whatever I want. Just bang, 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 bang. But I can't really play whatever I want, because if I want to play canon in D minor, I could not. I do not walk in the freedom to do that. So are you beginning to see the difference between being free and walking in freedom? Freedom is whatever the situation is, you're able to play music. You're able to create music. To be free and not have freedom is to play noise. We're both making sounds. One's making a lot of noise one's making music. So what does it mean for us to be free, but to walk in freedom? Another analogy is, if someone is imprisoned and they're set free, prison door wide open, you can go out, your time is done, someone's paid the price for you, walk out of jail for free. No cost, no expense to you, go. Now that person is free to walk out of that prison. But will that person experience freedom on the other side of the prison wall is a very different situation. If you've done any research in this area, for those who have spent long periods of time in prison and then get released, they are free. They can walk through the prison door. They can walk out of the prison complex, out into society. But after a while, They can't handle the transition from prison life to normal life, to normal society. And what they want to do is they want to go back to prison. Because that's what was more comfortable to them. They couldn't handle the freedom in the outside world. And so I think the distinction between being free and walking in freedom is very important. Because we are all free as followers of Christ... But some of us aren't walking in freedom. So what does it mean to walk in freedom? The prison door has been swung wide open. Out you go. Whether you're prison and the opposite of freedom, what are some words that come to mind when you think of the opposite of freedom? Shout them out. Slavery. You're in slavery to something. You're in bondage to something. Bound. Restricted held back, immobilized. And so whatever is going on in your life that is characterized by bondage, by slavery, by being held back, by being restricted, you just, I want to get out of this, but I can't. You are free to do so. As a follower of Christ. But whether you experience freedom or not is an entirely different scenario. So how do we go from being people who are free? Because the kingdom of God is truly the land of the free. And is truly the land where God wants us to experience his freedom in his fullness. So, as I've been thinking about this and pondering it, and working through it, myself and my own journey, because there is a lot of noise going on in all of our lives. Using the piano analogy, we're we're stuck somewhere, we're in bondage somewhere, we're in slavery to something, it could be an addiction, it could be in a relationship, it could be an emotion, it could be a number of things that we're just stuck, and we wish we could just get out of it. We want to get unstuck. So how do we get unstuck? Well, if you read further down in Galatians, and we have the passage up, you remember the passage in Galatians 5, 5, verses 1 and following, that Christ has set us free for freedom, and then Paul unpacks that, but there are two verses that I'd like us to look at here in Galatians 5, verses 13 to 14. Here, Paul, words for us. There they are. For you were called to freedom, brothers, but only... Pardon me, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I don't have time to, a lot of time to spend on unpacking this, but this is what I believe, that as followers of Christ, we have been set free to love. Freedom is walking in that love. It's experiencing that love. It's expressing that love. You cannot experience full freedom outside the fabric of loving relationships. You cannot experience freedom in isolation because if you isolate yourself, you insulate yourself from the freedom that God wants you to experience. So to go from free to freedom requires that we walk out in the context of loving relationships. I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Let me share it with you. Uh, This is how he puts it, and it's up there for you to follow along. Freedom is not a quality of man or woman, nor is it an ability, a capacity, a kind of being that somehow flares up in him. Anyone investigating man to discover freedom finds nothing of it. Why? Because freedom is not a quality which can be revealed. It is not a possession, a presence, an object, nor is it a form of existence, but a relationship and nothing else. In truth, freedom is a relationship between two persons. Being free means being free for the other, because the other has bound me to him. Only in relationship with the other am I free. And Dietrich understood the dynamics of freedom and lack of freedom politically and nationally. But his point is that from his perspective, from his reading of Scripture and his experience of Jesus and other believers, the true freedom is found in the context of relationships and cannot be found anywhere else. True biblical freedom. So what does this mean for us practically to walk out in this freedom? If you want to be free, the first step is to come to Jesus. The first step is to surrender your life to Jesus, to give him your all, and allow him to give you the abundant life that he wants to give you and for you to experience, because that's what we were created for, to experience that life, to experience ultimately that freedom. And then once you're free, you now have the capacity because of God's love inside of you, the spirit living inside of you, to live out that freedom. But again, it can't be done in isolation. It's done in community. John, in 1 John, writes these words. He says, make God's love complete by loving one another. There is a sense that God's love for you, that God's freedom for you is incomplete. And how it's completed how it's worked out, how it's lived out fully, is in loving relationships one to another. And one of the best definitions that I've heard of love, and there are many, is this. Seeking the highest good for the other. Seeking the highest good for the other. And if we want to experience freedom, true freedom, we need to start thinking that, yes, I am freed to love, now I need to walk in that love and express that love seeking the highest good of the other that is before me now let me walk through a couple of examples here and, and flesh this out so that it's, it's practical, a couple of examples and there are many examples that uh, we could talk about, I was praying about this and saying God what are some examples that we could use to kind of unpack this and make this more practical And one of them was a kind of a hot potato topic. And so I thought, why not? And so we're going to talk about it in the context of premarital sex. I'm going to keep it PG-13 because I know we have some middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room here with us. It's a hot potato. It's an important topic. But how do we live this out? So let's say you're a guy, you're a girl you're dating, you may get married, you may not get married, but you're having sex together. Now, for, for part of this conversation, I kind of want to keep God out of the mix. Now, some of you are saying, what on earth are you doing? And this is why I'm saying, let's keep God out of the mix. Because typically, it's, well, if God says it, then it's true, then believe it. And I do believe that. And I know he has his reasons for saying things that he says and asks us to do. But let's walk it out through this concept of freedom, this concept of love, and seeking the highest good for the other. Now, you have a guy, you have a gal, boyfriend, girlfriend. Let's say they're followers of Christ, and they're sleeping together. They're having sex before marriage. So both of them are looking at each other, and they're saying, I love you. I love you. Okay, let's take them at their word. We love each other. So You truly want to walk in love that is seeking the highest good for each other, right? Yes. You truly want to walk in freedom so that you experience freedom in your relationship now, and if you happen to get married down the road, that you experience greater freedom in your relationship. You're following me? Tracking with me? Now, as I said, let's kind of keep God out of the picture for a moment here, because as a pastor— and having counseled lots of people and done premarital, you know, a lot of the questions that you get asked usually by the guy is, hey, it's okay to have sex, right? This thing, no sex before marriage, that's kind of, that's old school, right? That's kind of Victorian. That's just kind of back in the day. We, we've moved on, right? We've matured. Uh, and so I usually take them down this conversation, which is kind of unique and, and interesting. And so this is what I typically do and how I want to connect it to our teaching this morning and make it practical in this area. And that is this, that if you look at any research worth its salt uh, about the impact of premarital sex on marriages done by universities, done by research centers that are not necessarily Christian or don't have an agenda to kind of communicate God's truth, they're just looking at the hard, raw data and saying, how does premarital sex impact a union of marriage in the future. And so there are a number of studies out there, but if you want to look at one, we'll just put it up here on the screen. I think we got the overhead for it. There we go. Came out in 2014, the National Marriage Project by the University of Virginia. Before I do, what do premarital experiences have to do with marital quality among today's young adults? So you can Google that. And there are many others. But this is what these uh, two professors have to say. And these professors, these researchers, are actually from the University of Denver. And it was facilitated through the University of Virginia. This is what they say. He says, our first major conclusion challenges what we call the Vegas fallacy. The idea that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Actually, what people do before marriage appears to matter. Specifically... How they conduct their romantic lives before they tie the knot is linked to the odds of having happy marriages. Now, the study goes on. Again, this is just purely from data and research. And so the success of a healthy marriage, just from a purely psychological, anthropological, human perspective, again, just keeping God out of the picture, is that if you want to have a successful marriage, don't have sex before, you get married because studies show that sex before marriage impacts negatively the dynamics of your marriage. Emotionally, psychologically, even neurologically, neuro studies are coming out just to substantiate that. Now, why do I say all of this? Because what I'm trying to show is that this couple, if they truly love each other, and they're seeking the highest good for one another, and they're saying, in our relationship together, and in the potential of us being married in the future, do we want to make noise, or do we want to make music in our relationship? If the individuals in that relationship are committed to walking in freedom and committed to walking in love towards another, seeking the highest good, because that is what freedom is all about, you are free to seek the highest good of the other, and that is what you were created for, and also created for to receive the highest good from other people. And if people truly have the highest good for you, it's not about banging the piano, doing whatever kind of noise you want to make it's about making beautiful music and so my in this conversation with this couple in premarital's hey dude if you really love your girlfriend and you're wanting to seek the highest good for your girlfriend and you want to make music in your marriage and you don't want to take the risk of sacrificing the kind of music that you make in your marriage my recommendation is that you stop having sex now and they go oh i hadn't thought about that way That's what it means to walk in freedom. That's what it means to be free, freed to love. Now, the problem is, and as Paul says, he says, don't use your freedom to kind of make noise and to do whatever you want and to to kind of succumb to the temptations of the flesh because it's going to create not freedom, it's going to create what? Bondage. It's going to create slavery. It's going to create so much stuff going on in your emotional well-being or not well-being, that it will just happen. And I think that's why God says we probably shouldn't do it. Now, it's kind of interesting that we're talking about something not to do when we're talking about something that is about freedom. Because sometimes freedom is making the choice not to do something so that we can experience something so much greater. And so let me conclude with one last example. And again, there are so many examples that we can use. Let's say you, you are in a relationship where that is the case, where you're having sex before marriage. Or you're, you're experiencing some kind of, of addiction, whether it's to pornography, whether it's to uh, anger and, and, and violence and rage, and an addiction to an emotion that you just can't control. Maybe it's an addiction uh, to gambling, Something has gotten a hold of you—a vice that you just can't seem to be set free from. It's just kind of like a barnacle with 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 claws that is just stuck to your soul, to your heart, to your brain, and you just can't get it off. It's just—it's there. It's ever present. And you say, "I want to be set free from this. I want to—I want to walk in freedom from these things." Isn't that what Jesus is all about? I mean, Luke chapter 4, I mean, Jesus' mission statement. You know, I have come, and we sang it this morning, I have come to set the captives free. Whether it's freedom in physical areas, emotional areas, spiritual areas, relational areas, I have come to bring freedom and for you to walk in that freedom and to begin to do it. Now, we've learned that we can't do that outside of relationships. We do it in the context of love. And so let's say you're at that place where... These addictions, these issues have caused so much shame, have caused so much guilt, have caused so much fear that it's enabling you, or pardon me, uh, preventing you from walking it out in the context of relationships because it's in the context of loving relationships that freedom is found. Now, here at RCC... And you heard Antley a couple of weeks ago say that in a couple of weeks we're going to provide some places where you can have pathways to walk out into greater freedom. Actually, he should have said three weeks because it's next week that we're going to talk about some specific ways that we as a church want to provide for you so that you can walk in greater freedom because there, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation that if you're at that place that you're not walking in freedom and that you're making some kind of noise in your life, god wants to set you free from that we've all been there we've all been there in one shape way or form we're we're all walking out of our brokenness and our pain and needing each other to walk in greater freedom and so if you're at that place it's like what what does it mean for me to walk out in greater freedom i mean one of the first steps of any twelve step group is what Identifying and recognizing that you are powerless over your addiction, but in the context of relationships, loving relationships, you are powerful over your addiction because of relationships and how God works through relationships to minister to you and to bring healing to you. And so we want to create spaces, and this is part of who we are. This is part of our DNA, but we want to continue to enhance that, continue to flame that, continue to catalyze that, continue to cultivate that. That there is no shame, that there is no guilt, that there is no fear in Christ. And so we want to create those spaces where you can come and interact with others in a way that is completely safe. When you think of love, and I love this definition of love, it's, you know, we read it over and over. It's at weddings, it's at, uh, you know, on your fridge, but this is it. You know, 1 Corinthians 3, verses, verses, verses 4 to 7. There we go. You, you've read this before. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Period. Can you imagine walking into a space of individuals who love that way? I'm stuck in pornography, I'm stuck in this addiction. I understand, I get it. I've been there. No shame, no guilt. Let's walk this out together so that you can experience freedom. I can't get away from getting to that bottle every night. Work is so stressful, family is so stressful, but I I, I just get that relief, I get that release from that stress by going to that bottle over and over and over again. I can't seem to stop it. Get into a place where you can say, that's my deal. And we can say, I understand. We've been there. We understand that. You can't get out of it by yourself. The only way to freedom is through relationships. Let's do it together. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation. I I have this addiction to to, to gambling. I, I can't seem to be set free from this uh, grip of, of, of money and, and just the unhealthy use and the unhealthy practice of managing money and it's just a mess. It's just a disaster and I want to walk in freedom. It's okay. We've been there. I understand it. No guilt, no shame. Let's start the journey. You're free right now to walk towards greater freedom. Do you want to make that choice? Let's do it together and be there for each other and walk that out. That's the kind of church that we want to be that's the kind of church that we have been but want to continue to be all the more and better at it because we want people to walk in freedom we want people to experience the freedom that Christ so passionately so sacrificially bought for each and every one of us now sometimes you'll hear a story that boom God sets them free, and they're, they're, they're released from that addiction. They're released from that issue. They're released from that bedding, besetting sin. And it's like, man, God, I wish you showed up sometimes like that and, and just did that and, and just bypassed the whole kind of relational thing, bypassed this whole kind of people thing. Sometimes he does that, but in my experience, when that has happened to individuals and they haven't sustained that and maintained that in the context of loving relationships and cultivated that in loving relationships and continue to maintain loving relationships, they've gone right back to it. They've gone right back to it. Whether it's five years later or ten years later, it's a full cycle back to their addiction, to their problems. You can't do it outside of relationships. I've said enough. Let's stand. Um, And we want to create the space right now uh, to respond uh, to God, to allow God to continue to do his work in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. Yes, we, we are grateful for the freedom that we have as a nation, the freedom to do this, the freedom of worship, the freedom of religion. But more important than that, is the freedom to walk out the lives that God has created us for. And so much stuff gets in the way of that. And our passion is to seek the highest good for each other. And we've been set free to do just that. But we need to walk that out. Yes, it's a bumpy road. Sometimes it's three steps forward and 15 steps back. But then at least the trajectory continues to move forward and forward and forward. And that's what we want for each other. So, let me pray. And as we pray... Uh, to prepare ourselves to respond to God. And there are two ways, if you're visiting with us here, again, we're so excited that you're here, you're here for a reason, and there are two ways that we can respond here in this context. is you can come forward, we're going to have prayer ministers come forward and pray for you and minister to you in whatever way God leads. And if in any way you are wanting to walk in greater freedom and experience the freedom that God has for you in such greater ways, then we just ask you to come forward and to be prayed for. Secondly, and the other way, is just to simply stay where you're at. Just to receive from God. Maybe you don't feel comfortable coming forward. That's okay. Just stay where you're at and just allow God to continue to take what has been shared and allow it to stick, allow it to to, to become seeds in the soil of your hearts and to grow into something very beautiful and very fruitful. And then to allow God to continue to do that in the days and the weeks ahead, but to do it in the context of relationships. Let's pray.